Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's nearly a quarter of a century since Paul McGrath retired from professional football and yet his status as a national hero has only grown. The pinnacles of his club career were at Manchester United and Aston Villa, where he won trophies and the affections of supporters. But his achievements with the Republic of Ireland under Jack Charlton, while battling his own personal demons, are what have made him a unique and beloved figure in this country. After all, not every player gets a chant all of their own. Paul, it's, it's great to chat to you. It's great, great to see you. Lovely to see you as well, Tommy. Um, I think the last time I saw you on screen was in the curry sauce ad. Oh, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> no, 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 I was very impressed. Did me best, did me best. So, uh, did you ever think of acting as a, as a uh, career option? No, <laughs> no, and that didn't change my mind either. That, 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 no, that wouldn't be a good thing for me. Um, the National Treasures thing. Um, how does that sit with you now, you know, with the, with the benefit of, of experience? How do you view all that sort of thing? Um, as a bit of a laugh, I think, you know, because obviously, you know, there, there's, uh, there's, there's players who I look up to, you know, and I think they're national treasures, but they, they've gone before me and stuff like that. But I don't, I don't think of myself as anything but someone who likes uh, curried sauce the odd time. And <laughs> does, does being a, a granddad change your perspective on things? Yeah, it's, it, you have to take things a little more serious. And, um, you know, you have to... You have to try and b provide for your children if they need things for their for their kids and stuff like that. But my, a lot of my kids have good jobs now and stuff like that. So I don't. It's not as bad as I thought it would be anyway. Yeah. Um. But it's great. It's great, and I love them. I love them all. They're 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 just brilliant. Um. Can you believe you're into your seventh decade? <laughs> uh, you didn't. <laughs> not to depress you. Tommy, you didn't have to put it like that. Uh, <laughs> How's the body holding up? Yeah, grand. That's the one thing I'm amazed by, <laughs> that the actual body is holding up. But, um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, lo I took up golf uh, when I finished football, and um, I'm still shocking at it, but I love... Uh, that's my way now of just uh, trying to keep a little, a little fit. Do you still think of yourself as Paul McGrath, the footballer, uh, or does that seem like a different lifetime ago now? Different lifetime. Yeah. That was a lifetime away. Uh, but I still love watching football. I love the way it's um, it's changed and uh, the speed that it's it, it is now. I love watching Man City at the moment because I think the the way they move the ball from back to front so quickly and so you know with the players they have obviously so brilliantly. And I love watching the fact that Manchester United are still still up there and having a chance of of of, of doing well. Um. Would you, do you think you could have played yourself in the modern game? No, 
Not Definitely a, not. Not a chance. Not a chance. Don't know about that. No. It, well, if they brought back tackling, <laughs> I, I'd be able to play in it. No, because I loved. There was, I, I found there was an art in, in tackling that should should have been appreciated and should still be around today. But I think even my the way I tackled when in my day, I think would still be co- classed as a foul now. Mm. So I don't think I'd have had a chance to, to play the way these lads do now. I think you're being typically modest uh, there about that one. But you still have the, the love there. Um, oh, yeah. I, wanted, I want you to take us back to when, when football entered your life. And, you know, you've spoken before about, you know, the, the difficult start you had in life. Um, take us into the head of the little kid who suddenly realises that this is something that they love, that they they can throw themselves into. What was that like for you as, as, a, as a kid? I was in school in Sally Noggin and I was, uh, Tommy Heffernan came to me during a break and just said, would you come up to uh, Pierce Rovers? And it, I think it was under 13s. And there was three of us he asked to go, John Young, myself, and uh, Kiernan Forsyth. Tommy actually spent a lot of time with his honest beauty of a studio board trying to tell me in particular, not the other two, because they... They were already playing in teams, and they were they were good players. But he used to just put up this and tell me where I was supposed to be running, who I was supposed to be tackling, and he took ages and ages and ages trying to tell me how to do it. But I, I, I loved listening to him, and I loved I wanted to learn the game. I wanted to become better. But uh, and so he was the first man who, who actually got out that thing and just said, "Look, Paul." If you see this guy gets the ball, you, you can go to him and just try and tackle him and stuff like that. And if this lad, tr- if he puts it in here, you've got to come back and help these. So he ta- basically taught me the game in in very simple terms. So you're a, a long way from the player that that you would become um, at, at this stage. Um, did did, did playing did playing football give you self confidence? Did it was it a way of kind of expressing yourself? Oh, of course. Yeah. To be honest, Tommy, it was it was. It was everything to me because I, I knew I was a, a reasonable player and I knew that I was a quick I was a quick enough player to if I made mistakes in football I could correct them quite quickly you know so if someone did win the ball off me I was able to turn chase and bump bang and get it back and give it to someone who could actually you know play a little better probably than I could so I, I used to do that and I used to think geez I'm getting out of trouble here even when I get into trouble I can I know how to get out of it. Mm. Your friends at the time talk about and uh, that you had an obsession. You know that you were you'd be doing push-ups, you'd be organising five-a-side games, you'd be doing you know the commentary. Like yeah, it was you're one of those kids who were were just uh, totally obsessed with it. Were you thinking at that stage, oh, I could I could make make a job out of this, or I could, this could be my life, or no. was that early no, days? That, yeah, no, that was too early th- at that stage. I was just thinking, look, like this could be great just for me to to. Um, show people because I loved showing off. I loved I loved to think that I was the best player on in especially in the school in Sally Nod. And I used to think, you know, I was just trying to show off. When you're when you're a kid and and obviously you've come through a different background than everybody else, is it a way of warding off trouble, warding off bullies that everybody kind of goes, oh, yeah. suddenly you've got status now. You're the, you're the yeah. guy who's good at football. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it was. It was a way of just making a statement that look. You know, I know you're against me today, but I'd rather we were both in the same team and, and we win something together. Um, from Pierce Rovers, you, you, your next stage is Dock United and Frank Mullen and Billy Behan and people who would become very big, important figures in your story and, and, and where, where it would go. 
Um, yeah. This is turned in, in in the way things panned out. It ended up as being more just a football club to pay for. It was sort of like a family. They they looked after you. Um, they really did. And, and would would lead to bigger things down the line. Yeah, they they'd um, they'd got me jobs. They they you know they knew that I I'd come from an orphanage. That all that stuff was explained anyway because he had to ask the 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 master down in the home. He had to ask him could I come to play for Dorky and stuff like that. So I went up to Dorky and they treated me so well and everything was, you know, you were picked up here at a certain time, you were brought to wherever it was we were playing and stuff. And I, I actually just loved it, but we, we were playing with grown men then. Mm. So, and I, I think I was 17 and John Young was 17 and Gramps had come down with us. And we enjoyed our time there, there. we really did. Frank Mullen and uh, uh, Tommy Cullen in particular just took us under his wing and he used to try and protect us from the <laughs> the horde yeah. um, but they were a great team and I loved playing I geez there was nothing better than getting picked on that team because um there were lads like that that would do your tackling for you if you need if anyone was annoying you or trying to steam into you they were protective very protective of us three because we were we were only Kids, really, to be honest, you know. So if anyone mi mixed it with you, they they mixed sorted it, with it out for you. They, they looked after you it. on the field and off it. They did. They did. They did because um, you you know they they really helped out. You had a, a a difficult time around the age of eighteen when you know you you ended up in hospital. I think it was mm. a, a situation where where you had a, a bit of a breakdown for a few months. Yeah. And coming out of that took its time, mm. but with your mother and with their help slowly you put, put things back together. Is that a, yeah. fair enough? The lads from the team used to come up and try and make me want to, um, you know, just... Well, they came up initially just to see me and to make sure that I was OK. And uh, I was away with the fairies. I just wasn't well. Mm. I, I, I was doing things that were mad when I was in St. Brendan's. And um, they all thought I was... I'd never play football again. I... Yeah, it was a struggle because I knew that I was very, very sick. I was very, very sick. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to come back to the lads because it, it was hard to watch. And my mum used to come up. My mum used to come up with um, her, her her second husband. And they they would just want me to get well. Mm. They would, nothing else. They, they didn't care about the football. They just wanted me back uh, being well. So, um yeah, it was strange. It was a very strange time for me, anyway. Um, you get back on the field and, and things are going well. And there, there's a kind of a time where you're, you're playing your football, you've got a job at this stage, you know, you've got your family, um, relationship with your mother and your family, and life is, life is going steady. Is there a kind of alternative version that you ever think of? I wonder if I'd never gone to Pats and, and Old Trafford and all that and just kept going, or were you always kind of thinking, no, I think bigger things might be awaiting me. No, I was thinking, isn't it great that I'm 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 well? I'm away from the the stuff that I just gone through, because that would that was hard enough to go through. It was just mm. totally mental. It was a mental total mental mental breakdown. So when I got when I got well and suddenly this thing was still there, I went back to Dorky and I started playing one or two games with them. And I said I'd never go back. I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to play football. I didn't want to kick a ball again. But I went back, and, I, and, I, and then it took off straight away. You, you start playing for Pats, and 
you know, pretty quickly, you kind of become a star. You were getting write-ups in the papers. I think, you know, the, the famous nickname, the, the Black Pearl of Inchicore, which is, you know, probably of its time, but very affectionate uh, in terms of what yeah. you were doing. You know, people raving about you. You win Player of the Year that season for, for Pats, um, for, the, for the League of Ireland. Um, are, you, are you loving it? Loving the attention? Loving the bit of profile? No, no, no. <laughs> no. Um, no, I never, to be honest, Tommy, I, didn't, I never was one for, you know, getting, getting the prizes and stuff like that. I would have much prefer mm. the low-key thing. And, and uh, I just genuinely loved playing football. The most, the most ex happiest I was was when I was out on a football pitch for that 90 minutes, just trying to do my best and trying to score a goal or, and trying to play well or put in a few tackles you know people started it got bigger and bigger because people were starting to say jeez he's, you know you might be going here and you might be going there so so that was uh that that was a bit of the, uh, the hard part for me anyway seeing your name in the papers and people talking See, about you like that oh no but I, I loved reading my name yeah. in the papers you know i used to go home and uh, and and show me mum and i'd be going jeez that's that's me and you know what i got an eight i got an eight in the paper this week mum that's eight you know, so I was one of those. So my ego, yeah, was still there, mm. uh, you know. But I, but I didn't let it, uh, I wouldn't have let it run away with me too much that, that I, was, I was suddenly one of these, you know, superstars. And St. Pat's was just, they, they always were. They were just a brilliant club to me. Mm. So you get the trial at United. It goes well. Um, you're offered a deal. Just tell me what that's like. You know, I, I don't care what era it is. You know, for a kid growing up obsessed with football and suddenly you're being told you're a Manchester United player. I mean, is that, and I know there'd been a lot of talk in the maybe the months and years building up that it was going to happen, but did it blow your mind? Um, it did, it did, um, until, until I heard the actual money, money <laughs> side of things. I said, I earn more money that in Dublin than I do, that this man's out for me wrong. This is Ron Atkinson, of Ron course. Ron Atkinson. Yeah. And I'm saying, would it be possible um, to go in and just say, can you bump the money up a little bit? Like, Paul's, he loves the, the idea of playing for you, but he just wants you to bump the money up. And Ron, of course, being Ron, just knew that I had no, I'd, no one was representing me. So he, he, he just said, well, no, we've made him an offer now. He can, you know, if he wants to hop back on a plane, now he's that rude, Ron. He says if he, he wants to jump on a plane to back to Dublin, he can do it. You know that's no problem. We've no problem with that if if he wants to do that. And I and then I came back tail in between legs and I said, I just, Ron, I didn't say I, I didn't like the money. I just said, I you know, and I am kind of happy with the money. Because there's no exactly question of you going back on the no the plane. No, there's no yeah. way I was going to go back. Um, how did you find that? culture shock of, of leaving Pats and, and, and Dublin and, and, and working as well and your family to suddenly you're mixing with Brian Robson and Gordon McQueen and, and all these names yeah. that you would have seen on Match of the Day. Yeah, I found, it, I found that strange as well because even Bobby Charlton's walking around the place and you suddenly you're seeing Nobby Styles at this, this end of thing and Sir Matt Busby's walking around and he stopped. Sir Matt Busby is the only person who, or, and Bobby Charlton, did, I must admit, to, to stop and just say, you know, how are you doing? Are you, you know, mm. well, just keep what you're doing because we think you're going to be, you're going to do okay here. 
And so it was, there was names like that and, and you just felt, Jesus Christ, this is unbelievable talking to those people. And, and you meet um, a, a young kid from Belfast called Norman Whiteside, yeah. who you become firm friends with. And I think he was maybe about 17 at the time, you were 22. Yeah. How do you, how do you end up buddying up with him so closely? Well, you know, we, we were in the same digs. We, were, we all slept on, in the same room. And he was just, he was lord of the digs though. He, Norman was, he was six foot two. He, he, was, he was a proper man. At, he was 16 though, he was only 16, but he was as hard as nails. So he says, uh, and, he, and he had the box, you know, the box that turns the TV over and all that sort of thing. So you, you become a United player, but there's still a bit of work to do to get to become a, a first team player, um, I guess. Uh, but over the couple of, couple of seasons, um, you work your way in, and you're also like you bought a BMW, I think, at some stage. Yeah, and <laughs> I did. I bought a, a yellow, one of the oldest looking BMWs I've ever seen. I bought them off. There was a Greek waiter at the top of the Old Trafford Road there, and he was had this heat that barely didn't work. So he sold it to me. I think it was about thousand pounds or something like that. So I thought it was the bee's knees. Now I have a car. You meet Claire at this stage, who'd become your first wife, and mm -hmm. you have a, a child quite, quite quickly. Um, and it, there's a sort of a stable and serene, and, and Christopher comes along, and yeah, and, and life is quite calm and, and and I want to say normal, but straightforward at, at this. At what, what kind of father were you? Um, yeah, I think I was a good father. I, I loved, I loved the fact that Christopher had come, and and uh, he, he was. Uh, yeah, he was, a, he was a lovely child, a lovely baby. And uh, Claire was a gorgeous wife. And um, yeah, everything seemed to be settling down. The, the breakthrough, if you like, season ends up with the, the FA Cup final in 1985. I think it's, it's when you, you sort of really felt you established yourself as a player. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. Um, yeah. People, might, younger people might not realise, back then the FA Cup final day was oh. the biggest day in the calendar so again you're a few years over from Ireland mm. and it was such an eventful match as well what, what oh. are your memories of, of that day oh well I think it was just it was a huge game for for us um, yeah w when the game started uh, we, we were doing great we were you know matching them uh, up and down the park and then um, I tried to slip ball into into Kevin and um, Peter Reid I should say he comes right in and cuts it out. And um, Kevin just kind of lifts him out of it. He just tackles him and, and he goes up in the air. I thought it was a brilliant tackle himself, but <laughs> he sent Kevin off and, and Kevin was distraught about that. Like, you know, he was trying to... The first man ever sent off. First man final, ever yeah. sent off. And, and I was kind of hiding at that stage. Like, I was standing behind people and everything just just so no one could see me, because in case I got called out. It was you that passed that ball, wasn't it? But, but you went on to the 10 men. One, no, one Norman one scored one of the best goals I've seen scored at, uh, on, on that day, yeah. And then, obviously, we're all, we're all elated and delighted. And, um, yeah, it was a tough game, though. It was a tough game with 10 men against... And they were a really good team, Everton, you yeah. know. They really, really were. So, so to, to be able to beat them with uh, a man down... And Frank Stapleton alongside oh, you at the back, wasn't he? Yeah, and he was magnificent on the day. He was absolutely brilliant on the day. I think he, he played there all his life, but he, 
and he kept shouting at us, you've got to keep telling me what to do. You know, he took charge though. He was the one that was doing all the shouting. Keep telling me what to do, keep telling me. I'm saying, but you have to shut up and let's play the game. Like, you know, <laughs> a lot of us have to chip in here. But we we did it and uh, it was a wonderful day. Jeez, a wonderful day. Because that's the first thing I'd, I'd won. Um, in, in your book, though, when you talk about the celebrations of that, you say you, you are hearing voices of self-doubt at that time, even though you've made it at United, you're a cup winner, you know, you're breaking through international scene around that time as well. Yeah. You, you still sort of felt, did you feel, oh, I'm going to get found out here or I don't belong here? Um, no, no, I thought I belonged there, but I was doing, I was, I think I was doing things that were a little off the, 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 the would I say off the wall? Yeah, off the wall. Because it, like, if, if myself and Norman were injured, we just, me and Norman would look over, he'd be on one bed, I'd be on the other, and we'd, we'd have our knees done, and then we'd say, what are you doing for the rest of you know for the rest of the, the day? Why don't we just go for a few after this? And and that that kind of became a routine with myself and Norman. And you know we we were that daft that we didn't think it would get back to them. Mm. You know what I mean? And they knew well that uh, we weren't behaving in the way a, a professional who's who's injured of all things uh, should be behaving. So people say about the the team that that Ron had there that went very close. I think in, you know, in today's terms, I mean, they were top four every year that you were there under Ron, you know, winning cups, they'd probably be regarded as, as a, a certain degree a success, but that the drinking culture at the club yeah. was holding them back, you know, whether it was yourself and Norman or Brian Robson oh, yeah. and a number of other players maybe involved in that. Yeah. Looking back now, do you think that was the case? Did that, yeah. that would stop the team going over? Oh yeah, most definitely. And, and and I think when Sir Alex had us up in the uh, up 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 in the um, in his office and telling us this is is, is this can't go on, it's stupid. Like what are you doing to yourselves? You're 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 forcing my hand anyway. And um, I I would have to say that um, I think Sir Alex had intimated to one or two people that I got to hear about that he didn't. I wasn't one of the players he was he was particularly happy with at Old Trafford, and this was before he'd even arrived at the place. So I knew I was for the heave ho anyway. Um, um, when when Big Ron left, and you you liked Ron, didn't you? Yeah, I yeah. liked Ron. Yeah, in personality terms and his football oh, style yeah. and yeah, yeah, I liked everything about Ron because he, he made he made the training so fun. Mm. The problem was he joined in it. That was. That was something I, I, I could have done without, but he was he was actually okay. And Fergie, look, the, the history would show he would he would be right in what he came in, but exactly he puts your hackles up right away in terms of the way he, he speaks to you. Is that is that right? He's very domineering. On yes, I, I, the first game we played uh, was Oxford away, I think, and um, he put me in midfield. I was the centre half. He put me in midfield, and then he took me off at half time. That warm side, I could not find it. Honestly, I, I, and I, I liked what he was trying to do and stuff like that. But I think in your first game, if you if you're going to play a person like me out of position, and then take me off at halftime, you're trying to tell me something. I know you're trying to tell mm. me something. He admitted that he handled you wrong. He said he could have. He said if it, it had been if he'd have been a more experienced manager, he would have been more fatherly. You know that that he almost needed to mellow himself as the years as the years la later on, and he would probably handle players differently later. I think he's he's doing himself a misservice yeah. there because I think what he did was was totally right. 
for, for Manchester United, you know, and that's that his job was to get to root out what was happening, what was happening at Manchester United that was wrong. Yeah. And me and Norman at that stage were wrong for Manchester United. That's what I believe anyway. It comes to head in, in 1989 and they offer you 100 grand to basically retire and a yeah. testimonial. So you're, and you'd had a terrible time, as you mentioned, with, with your injuries yeah, over many. the preceding seasons. Mm. Um, do you consider it? Yeah, I did consider it, but I, uh, Gordon Taylor, I think, was with me at, at that time. Kevin was From there. The PFA. Yeah, yeah, Kevin was was around, so I could talk to him. And Brian Robson was around, and Norman actually. And I, I'd, I'd said no. I said, look, I, I can still play football. I know for a fact that my legs will still allow for me to play football. So I said, yeah, I'm gonna uh, play on. And I said it to Gordon Taylor. And Gordon was delighted. Gordon said, I'll go in and tell um, Sir Alex that you're, you're, no matter what they're offering you, you're still going to play on. Mm. And in he marched and just said it to him. So, and I was delighted. I was thinking, Jesus, the, the, the bravery of the man just saying that to him. Like, you know, do what you want, he said. He's, he's still going to play football for someone. And, uh, and then year, a, few, a year or two later, he said, uh, well, the only inquiry we had was from Liverpool and we weren't going to sell them to Liverpool and I'm thinking Jesus well thanks for telling me so you could have gone to Liverpool I could have gone to Liverpool because I think they they knew what Alex was playing with here he just wanted me out of football so and not playing for anyone else which is I think which is kind of cruel would you have gone to Liverpool in a heartbeat oh like a shot from a gun yeah. like a shot from a gun how would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, maybe take a step back and just I want to talk about your, your sense of Irishness um, even before being capped. Obviously, you're growing up uh, as a black Irish person when there wasn't too many around in yeah. the 60s and 70s. Very true. Um, what was that like? Was it difficult? Was it a difficult time? And did some people try and make you feel any less Irish uh, at that time? Um, no, no, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't yeah. too bad. But there was, you're always going to get it on a football pitch. 
if you're playing against someone who wants to rile you up and stuff like that, it was, it's easy to just say, you know, you call, call me a, um, a black bastard or nigger or whatever they want to call me anyway. So, uh, and those I, I, I never used, used to uh, react to. Reading, reading in, your, in your book about this time, you were proud of your of being black. You had black heroes, you know, you Pele in oh. 70 and Phil Linnett and you yeah. know, Muhammad Ali. You know, that was, you weren't sort of saying, I wish I was everybody like everybody else. You were... No, no, no. But but, yeah. but I went around thinking I was like everyone else anyway because the yeah. only time I felt that the, the black thing was when, when I looked in the mirror. I genuinely mixed with people who were uh, where, where I grew up. I mixed with everyone, n never a problem sort of thing. I'm, I'm actually quite proud of being the colour I am. So, you know, it's no, uh, makes no difference to me. And it's only when other people bring it up yeah. that, that I that I suddenly go, yeah, well, geez, yeah, yeah, you, you're, you're right. You know, I'm, I'm slightly different, but so what? You were, I suppose, eff effectively though, a groundbreaker for a different kind of Irishness in that time, because at that time it was very much, you know, white, Catholic, you know, traditional. That's what Irish looked like, and, and you came through. And in the decades since, you know, what it is to be Irish is a very different thing now. It's a very broad thing. So do you feel a certain sense of pride that maybe there was kids looking at you in Italia 90 and 94 kind of went, yeah, you know? Well, yeah, I, I hope, I'd hope so. I'd hope so, because it's a great... Um, Ireland have always been very accepting, I think, anyway. You know, you're, you're obviously going to get the odd fool who, who, who will say a thing to you, but our Irish people have always been very uh, welcoming to all sorts of different cultures and, and, and different peoples. So, yeah, we're, we, we're, we're one of those people who, who, don't, who don't turn people away and, and you know, um, are, are always helping even countries further afield and stuff like that. So that's what I love about Ireland and I love about the Irish. And we don't, we don't seem to go out of our way to harm other people uh, in other places or anything like that. So it's, it's been a fabulous country for me anyway to grow up in. Um, so when you were called up to the Ireland squad then, another dream, you know, whatever about uh, United and Cups, this is, this is another one that every, every young footballer would have. Is, is this another moment where you're... Your your mind is blown. You're meeting more heroes, the Liam Bradys, the This Lawrence's. goes this is a goes up another uh, pedestal, though I think. Another, this is under Owen's time, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, under Owen's time. I had to kind of uh, do it in the way I I normally did things, which was I'd have to ease my way in very slowly. Yeah, it was that shyness. That's was, I've always had that. Yeah. this thing of just being really, really shy, shy of women, shy of fellas, shy of. Just, just not wanting to be in too many people's company at once, and I would have been a bit in awe of, of Liam because I'd, um, you know, I just thought he was one of the, well, he still is one of my heroes, you know. And in February 1986, uh, the, the whole history of the country changes, you might say. Um, Jack Charlton is appointed Irish manager. Not that you're that enthusiastic to start off with, is that right to say? That would be You're right. Sure. To, that would be right to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a bit of a strange one. Uh, you know, an Englishman coming to be the uh, main man at, at, of the Irish national team. I didn't think that was. I didn't think that was right. Um, 
So, so yeah, I would have had a, a, a little bit of a whine about that. Yeah. How quickly does he win you over, though? Um, the first training session. The first training session was so unusual. It was he was talking about colours. You jumped on certain colours and stuff. We did. I think we did it in a in a gymnasium, and he was going puce, and I didn't ever knew puce was a colour. <laughs> and and he was going touch it, touch the air. When I, when I say puce, it's up in the air. When I say, and they, they were so strange the colours but we were we were doing it and we were kind of laughing and then we were trying to think of the colours as well so because we no one wants to make a mistake because you didn't want to be sent home on the first the first time you've met him but he did it in a funny way as well he was laughing with it as we were jumping because some of the lads just couldn't get it right at all but um, even on the first day I think he had the lads I honestly do on the first day by throwing in this weird kind of um, training session it was kind of quirky and different. It was so quirky, yeah, and and so different. But he, I think he did it on purpose. Again, I mm -hmm. think that Jack does certain things just for, uh, you know, just to keep you on your toes. It's nothing to do with him. He, he just, but honestly, because he called me James so many times, that I I obviously answered to it. Um, but I thought I used I used to think, well, what what happens when he calls me Paul then again? You know, but he. But he did it for so long that I, I just answered to it, and yeah. whatever the game was, I I, I kind of played it, and and he knew my name all along. Yeah, you know what I mean. He did. The 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 Finding Jack Charlton film, I think, people who who've seen it, um, it was such a reminder of what a, what a man he was. That he was the boss. It was his way or the highway, very much so. But at the same time, so warm, so one, so fun, um, you know. Such great humanity about him. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd caused him one or two problems along the way, and I remember one in particular when I was there was a band, Jurezi, who wanted me to do uh, this single with them. So I'd went to the studios and I was so nervous, and I said, "Would it be okay if I had a couple of couple of pints and stuff like that?" So, and I, I had the couple of pints, and then I said, "Would you?" Would you mind? I'm I'm not a singer. You use girls sing and stuff like that. Would you mind if I had another couple of pints and stuff? I, I I get up the next morning and I'm saying to Kevin, "Geez, Kevin, I'm still buzzing from from the night before." And but I was coming down a little bit. So as we're getting to the stadium, um, Jack comes back and said, "Paul, look, we need you to play. Just come into the ground. Come into the ground." And we will get you a car then from the ground if you don't want to play. And I said, but I can't walk through the crowd to go into the thing. This is what I'm trying to tell you. Is I'm, I'm, whatever I've drunk, it's not been good for me and I don't feel well. So uh, eventually Jack says, Paul, if you, don't, if you don't get off now, this could be the last time you ever play for us. And I said, I, hate, I, I honestly hate saying this, but it might be the last time I play for you then because I really don't feel well, and I didn't feel well. And um, Eddie Bryan then came along and just said, Paul, I'll, I'll take you back to the hotel. So we walked, and it was so surreal. We were walking in the opposite direction to get a taxi to bring me back to the, to the hotel and, and walking through the crowd and them seeing me walking through the crowd when I was supposed to be playing a game. And I knew I let them down that day, and then they won Obviously, they beat them five, I think it was five now or something. And I was just shivering 
in, in the bed. I was, there was sweat everywhere. And he walks in the bed and he pulls the, the blankets down and I was just covered in sweat. And, uh, and he just went, he said, oh, sorry, son. He said, I didn't realize how hard you got it. And uh, he just took the, took the things under me chin and he just said, uh, I'll be back later on, I'll be back later on. Mm. And and I think in that even in seeing me that way, he just thought, oh, Jesus Christ, what a state! But he didn't kick you out. He didn't. You know, no. he had that caring. Oh no, that's what I, paternal. I was, I was amazed that he'd even come down to the room to me. To be honest, <clears throat> and you run through brick walls then for him. Oh, I would because I, of that. Yeah, and, and that's what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to say, please make, pick me for the next one, and I will promise you. No, I won't be drinking up to that game, and I will give you mm. a game that you want, and we we'll win that game. I'm telling you. Mm. Um, the results start to come, and he's, he's obviously got that sort of effect on everybody because everybody starts running through brick walls for yeah. him, and then you, you still need though for for Euro '88 the famous Gary Mackay goal for Scotland against Bulgaria. Where were you when you heard, when you heard I, that, I was that in we'd actually qualified? I was in hospital uh, getting my left knee done and Kevin Moran rang me in the hospital and he said in, in Bupa in, in Manchester and he said, he said, we're, we're, I didn't even know the game was on. I yeah. wasn't watching any games, I wasn't doing that. And I was just sitting in the hospital and he, he rang me and he said, uh, we're true, we're, we're, you know, we, we've made it true. And I went, true to where? And he said, we were in the Euros, we're in the Euros. I said, what do you mean we're in the Euros? Sure, didn't, didn't we, we, we finished. And he said, no, Gary Mackay, Gary Mackay scored a goal, we're, we're going. And that was the first I'd heard of it. So, and it was absolutely, geez, pandemonium after that, because it was just great for, for our, being our first competition. And you were kind of sad because you knew there was only gonna be a certain amount of people coming on that trip and I was and here's me sitting in bed with me knee in plaster yet again hoping that I was going to be ready for it so uh, yeah it was tough but you were ready for it and you were there on the field in Stuttgart I, I was indeed, I was um, indeed. <laughs> it's kind of a mythical day now for for, it, for for Ireland like what pictures does it conjure in your mind I, I remember I was getting off the bus and, and Mick Byrne shouted up but uh, there was a crowd of uh, Irish lads uh, um, it's kind of like we were lower in the stadium, but he and he looks up and he will do them for you today. And I'm going, Mick, don't be telling them that, Jesus, you never know, you know. But I love the way he did it, like you know, because he Mick always thought we were going to hammer them anyway. No, but I knew, and all the Irish players knew though. If you if you measured up the English players to the Irish players, there wouldn't be much in it. Do you know what I mean? They genuinely wouldn't. You know, people would have thought because they the Linekers and the Robsons and the this, that and the other. We had, we had lads that were brilliant, brilliant footballers. But uh, yeah, we went at them. We just went at them and then we scored this great goal. Something good is going to happen to your team that day when yeah. the smallest man on the pitch puts a header in over Tony Adams and people. The lovely thing for us was though, we didn't have, uh, the Irish fans were no trouble. And that was another bonus for us. So know. the team were doing us proud and the fans were doing uh, themselves proud and yeah. it was just a real yeah. sense of general just accomplishment. Just carnival, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a carnival atmosphere. And then to, to beat England on, on the first game, geez, you're thinking, we're gonna win it. You know, we're, we're, we're that good, we're brilliant. <laughs> and mind you, they had a right few shots. Packy was brilliant on the day, I have to say that.
when you go home and you get the homecoming, but the memory of the performances and how you acquitted yourself, does that then feed into the confidence of the team into the Italia 90 qualifiers that suddenly it's not, oh, here's Ireland, they're underdogs. Yeah. You're a serious team now. Yeah, I think everyone um, would have thought that, you know, that these lads, they come to play, they play a different sort of game and stuff like that, but they just will not give you a second piece on a football pitch. I think in the Russian game, um, because Ronnie was playing and I wasn't playing, mm. I think the lads got it down and they started playing football. Now, I'd never seen Ireland play as, as well that night. I was raging I, was, I wasn't even on the pitch. Now, I, I had got an injury, so that's my only excuse. <laughs> um, but, but that's the best I've seen an Irish team play. Uh, and that, that was a very, very good Russian team. And I, and I genuinely thought... And I thought I wouldn't get my place back because I thought, Jesus... And he scored the goal as well, the Shinner. Yeah. So I'm going, I've no chance now. But Ronnie, Ronnie, I would have, I would have kept Ronnie in, to be if, I, if, if, yeah. if I'm going to be honest about it, you know, even though it would have ruined my day. I want to talk about Italia 90, but before that, um, I want to talk about a, a, another transfer that never happened. You're a big star now between sort of after 88 and oh, before people. 90. People. And <laughs> is it true that you were approached by Napoli to play alongside Diego Maradona? That is actually quite true, but it kind of got switched a little bit because he said to me, no, th there was a huge boat out in the harbor. I was on a, this free holiday and I was just, there was a load of ta Italians in this restaurant and they kept saying to me that senior, senior someone was coming down to see me and then they pointed to this boat that was well offshore and it was huge, it was a, a, a boat. And this um, phone call came in and said, Mr... Mr. whatever his name is, is out in his boat at the moment. He's just saying, are, are you in? Can he come in and talk to you now? And I said, is that his boat? Like, yeah, of course he can come in. So this fella came in. Now, he didn't talk much, obviously, much English. And uh, he said, Paul McGrath, what would it take to get you... What would it take to get you here? And I was thinking, two bob. <laughs> take two bob. And uh, he was chatting away and stuff like that. And then he said, and, and um, about Ronnie Whelan, what, what about... How much do you think it would take to get Ronnie Whelan here? I'm thinking, am I being set up here? He wants Ronnie. Because I was thinking to myself, imagine me and Mar... I had it all setting up in my head. Me and Maradona. It's a one-two in the middle of the pitch, and I'm in there, and I'll score the goal. But, uh, yeah, I think it was Ronnie they wanted. Maybe in the long run, given what El Diego was at off the field over yeah. there. I, oh, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have made it. But I loved... I loved the football he played, uh, Diego. Yeah. He was just pretty, oh, he was just amazing. Well, you were in Italy yourself uh, pretty uh, pretty soon after that with the team. Um, you know, you've talked about that that special journey that that the whole country went on. What what are your memories of that of that tournament of that summer of everything that you that you <coughs> did and accomplished uh, in in that extraordinary few weeks? Yeah, I think it was it, it was it was just brilliant for all the players that were there because we again. I'm, think, I'm talk, talking about that bond thing. We just bonded as players. I mean, the, the, the Romania game was incredible because Hadji was one of these players who just gets the ball and just he just decides he, mm. he might sidestep four people and then have a shot, you know. And then when it went to the penalties, I hid. <laughs> I mm. hid. Um, no, I didn't want to take one of the penalties. And uh, thank God David was 
David was back in and he took uh, he took the last penalty and um, and scored the goal. So that was kind of fitting, really, that uh, he'd been out for so so long and and then to come back and you know score the winning winning penalties was was brilliant for him. And you were seeing all the pictures from home being sent out to you, weren't you? Oh yeah, yeah. We were seeing the the mad pictures at home where people were just going nuts at this stage because everything was clicking into place and when I say everything I think even knowing that I don't think we're going to have enough for the Italians and that was the that was the uh, the, sa the downside of it but you gave a pretty good account of yourselves on the night oh yeah we did like we were trying so hard but but I think uh, I think that you know they well deserved to, to mm. win, win on the night as well you were um voted our best player of the tournament and it, I think you you'd vowed not to not to drink for the tournament and to actually yeah. give it your absolute best shot yeah because so you had that sense of reward for, for for doing that I said I have to go out here and I have to give it my best shot for you know for once in my life I have to go out and just not let anyone down or not you know try to let anyone down and, and it worked out okay it worked out okay it would you know I would have liked him to kick on a, another couple of times but um you know i think we, we were all proud of each other and that was that's what it's all about you can't if you're not uh you're not going to win the major prize you know you just want to show people that you're doing you've done your best well let's have a look at the the welcome that awaited you then when you got back to dublin and i think we have a little clip here uh, of when jack introduced you to the crowd the tide had turned. People saw economic and social progress. Employment was rising. Immigration had almost ceased. We just grew up. We just got a sense of self-respect, a sense of pride. Politically, economically, we had won the right to take our place as a nation. The Mexican because if we could possibly win the World Cup, then we have to question everything. How do you feel watching that now? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's nice, you know, very nice. At the time, even in a moment like that and within your, your struggles and, you know, were you able to take a step back and, and, and think, of your, think of your mother, think of your childhood, the journey you'd come on and, and, and think, my God, I haven't done too bad. You know, was um, it a, a feeling yeah, of, of but pride? I think, I think it was more a feeling of, um, you know, the team doing well rather than you personally, mm. you know, it always was that, seriously. So in, in the the madness and the glory and the adulation of the crowd and the country and the, the national treasure thing like I thought about, I talked about at the start, the thing that resonates for you 30 odd years later, wherever we are, is the friendship and the family atmosphere and, and, and Jack and everything yeah. on a personal level is, is that yeah is that what you're saying yeah without a doubt yeah without a doubt i just think yeah all that means 
um, so much more to me than than um, how far we got and all this sort of stuff. But it, it's uh, it, it it was such a journey, a journey that you know I'll never well I'll never be on a journey like that again. And um, I loved every single minute of it, and it was it was the bunch of lads that um, um, that looked after me. They had to look after me sometimes, and 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 cared for me enough to do it. To be honest, uh, and I loved them all. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.